Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Hit Like a Girl podcast is a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. One thing I love about working with them is that they're mission-driven, which means that they're dedicated to featuring authoritative shows, hosts, and guests who take on the tough topics in healthcare with empathy, expertise, and a commitment to excellence. If you're looking for bingeable content related to the healthcare industry, they've got more than 8,000 episodes on demand waiting for you. From professional development, the patient voice, digital health, innovation and entrepreneurship, and of course, health IT, they've got you covered. So this is your official invitation to check them out at healthpodcastnetwork.com. And welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Joy Rios, and today I'm talking with Amy Diverania. She's the CEO and founder at Uva, a women's health company dealing with infertility. Their at-home test quantitatively measures two hormones to help inform a woman of her fertile days and confirming ovulation. This data can also be shared with her healthcare provider in real time, which allows them to get on the same page more quickly. Really fascinating stuff, and I can't wait for you to hear about it. So let's go. Can you take a moment to introduce yourself and sort of your piece in the healthcare ecosystem? Like, where is it that you spend your time and efforts? Sure. My background is pretty heavy on the science and medical side. I have a PhD in biomedical sciences with a focus on genetics and genomics. But before that, I was actually trained as a data scientist. So I was working in industry for a while. I was at Roche for about five years. And then at Bristol Myers Squibb prior to that. Uva kind of fell in my lap in a very interesting way. I never really saw myself as an entrepreneur or in the startup ecosystem. I always thought I'd be like working in a hospital or working in a clinic, like doing that kind of work. But I ended up living through a really difficult ordeal when I was trying to conceive my son. And it opened up my eyes to a lot of gaps in the women's health space overall, but especially when it comes to trying to conceive. What I realized very quickly is if you have irregular cycles like I did or do, there really aren't many options available to you outside of going through invasive treatment. And for someone like me who was not willing to do that, like for many reasons, right? Cost, trust in the medical system, just putting my body through that, I just didn't didn't want to do it. 
So I was like, if I don't conceive naturally, then being pregnant just isn't in our cards. And my husband and I were both okay with that. I started doing everything right, peeing on sticks, taking my body temperature for 3 a.m. every day. I used every fertility tracking app. And luckily, I did conceive my son after 18 months. But those 18 months were the most devastating of my life. And the worst part was I didn't learn anything about my cycle in all that time. All I found out was that I had irregular cycles. And I knew that going into my journey. So what it really like kind of it ingrained this like passion in me to figure out how to solve this problem. Women who have irregular cycles deserve better. They deserve better solutions and they deserve to know what's happening internally. So our hormones dictate everything in our reproductive cycle. My goal was how do we figure out how to measure these hormones with that clinical level of accuracy in the privacy of your home. So you're not getting pricked. You're not having to send samples to a lab. How do you do all of it in your own bathroom and get the results in seconds that a doctor and you can trust? So and that's me, really where Uva was born. Yeah. How, well, tell me about Uva. How did, what does Uva do? So Uva measures two, it's a urine-based test. It measures two fertility hormones um, in your urine every day. We measure luteinizing hormone and progesterone. And the key thing is that it's a quantitative test. So you're not getting a binary yes or no. You're not getting a semi-positive kind of there. You're getting an actual number of what your two hormone levels are each day that you use an Uva test. And the key thing is that because I've had irregular cycles, We've designed this for the irregular woman. So you're not being compared to a standard threshold or that perfect woman who doesn't exist. It's all based off of your baseline levels. And then we detect fluctuations by comparing to that. So we don't care if you have polycystic ovarian syndrome or you haven't had a period in months. We figure out what your baseline is and then we just start calculating differentials from there so we can figure out, are you ovulating or not? When is that period happening? What's going on with your cycle? And that is incredibly powerful for you as a consumer to have that data. But then it also enlightens your medical community as well. So we actually share this data directly with your doctor if you're working with the provider so they can treat you in real time without having to go to the lab to get routine blood work done. So can I ask several questions? Of course. <laughs> like it was the user experience. If somebody is signing up for Uva, does it also come with an app, right? If this is something that's happening in their home and you showed me, it looks kind of like a pregnancy test or something that you would pee yeah. on. And when you look at the results, how is it? It's not just a yes or no, a line or pink dot or something. It's quantitative. So is it like coming up? What are the results? Like 0. 0.065, whatever unit that you're measuring? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So basically, this is like I know people can't see me, but I'll describe it. The test itself looks very similar to a pregnancy test. And we did it that way by design. Because women, like if you think about it, how many times have women used a pregnancy test and actually read the instructions inside the box? Oh, they I don't. mean, it's now you're looking at the thing right next to it. <laughs> and it's, I'm it's looking for a intuitive. line or a dot or two lines. or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, right? But it's a very intuitive test. So we designed Uva to be just that. You pee on this, you, there's a sample pad, you then wait 10 minutes, there's a timer in our app. I should take a step back. So it does work alongside the smartphone app. So when you register in our app, we take you through a really extensive onboarding process. We learn a lot of information about your reproductive history, your general wellness, overall menstrual cycle. So we can customize your experience to what your situation is. No two women are the same, but no two cycles are the same. So we really want to learn what's happening with you so we can personalize your entire experience. So basically what happens is when Uva's algorithm tells you to use an Uva test, so you're never guessing, you pee on the Uva strip, either midstream or as a dip test. You then wait 10 minutes, there's a timer in the app, and then you scan it using the camera directly on your phone and you get your results in seconds. There's a little QR code on the 
on the cartridge itself. You align that in the boundary box. You scan the window that shows you one, two, or three lines, depending on your hormone concentration. And then you get your results. So it will tell you exactly where you are in your cycle. Are you at low, high peak ovulation? Have you released an egg or not? How many days post ovulation are you? We let you know what your concentrations are for both LH and progesterone each day. And we go out to two decimal places. So we're incredibly accurate. And then we also give you a customized daily action plan. So you know what to do and you can really take control of your journey. I cannot even imagine how powerful that must be for some women, especially if you're talking about like times when you're trying, right? And you don't know, like I haven't been through this. So I'm just, I mean, I've seen it in movies where, you know, they kind of like over, they overthink it and they're just, oh my God, it's time now, now, now. Like we've yeah. got to go try to make a baby. And if you're doing that for 18 months um, and I can only imagine how frustrating that might be and not necessarily an enjoyable experience at all. And if this is something that you are empowering people that they have the knowledge of when is the right time, then it's hopefully can be a more fun experience in (laughs) creating a baby. Well, yeah. So a lot of this stemmed from the experience that I had had, right? So first romance was totally out the window. Mm -hmm. Like sex is no longer fun. This was like, oh my God, why aren't you home yet? I'm ovulating. Yeah. And that was the the entire experience. On top of that, I knew I had to be in the best health that I could be. Right. So that means I had to eat well. I had to work out. I had to do stretches. Like I had to be in my best shape. So I can't tell you how many times I would stand in my kitchen with the fridge open going, all right, I need to eat something healthy. I need a well-balanced diet. And then I'm Googling what is a well-balanced diet. And we're taught that from preschool what a well-balanced diet is, what your plate should look like. And yet when you're trying to conceive, all that common sense kind of goes out the, wind- out the window because you're just so overwhelmed with everything going on. And it's no fault of yours. Right. It's just your mind is so occupied by how your body is so-called failing you. And so what I realized is the reason I felt like my body was failing me is because I didn't know what was happening internally. It's just a black box. So we want to shed light on that. Let's open up Pandora's box. Let's figure out what's going on inside and actually start addressing those issues. Well, so now that you are on this side of it, how are others responding to it, the users of your product? Wonderful. I mean, I think the data is really sticky. My husband always makes fun of me. He's like, how do you know women are going to want this? Because I literally designed it something that I would wish I had. And I'm like, well, the logic is that if one person asks a question, there's 10 other people that are asking the same question but haven't vocalized it, right? So that's how I'm running this company. If I wish I had this feature, there are at least 10 other people that wish that feature existed too. Mm-hmm. And then we're constantly iterating, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm very open to getting feedback. I love when our users send me like, Amy, it would be wonderful if we had something like this. Or have you thought about adding this type of a view? I take all that feedback and I feed it to our technical team so we can start implementing it. So I'm the one answering all of our support tickets. I'm answering all the customer questions and analyzing the data, what have you, because I think it's really important for us to know what the pain points are so we can continue to evolve the business and the product. Yeah. So, okay, just kind of technical question. Is it the same device that they're going to be using over and over again? Or is it like, can it be reused, I guess? Or is it something that it's a new one each with each test? So the kit comes with a handle, holder, and then 15 disposable cartridges. Each cartridge is a one-time use. The handle and holder are meant to be reused across multiple cycles. Gotcha. And then they can get refills if they need. Yeah, exactly. 
Gotcha. So the refills come with 15 cartridges each time. Oh, that's great. And then so, okay, can you talk about the the application? Like what's the interface? Like what is, is there, is it just looking at the numbers or is there a way for them to communicate or ask questions or FAQs or video? I don't know, what what's in there? We're constantly evolving this. So I think like, I feel like once we put like a push of content out, it gets outdated very quickly because it's, it's very much like peeling an onion, right? Like you take off one layer, then there's so many other layers underneath and you keep on wanting to dig more. So we're constantly evolving all of our support and our the content that we could provide. Now, what happens on the app side, on a daily basis, you get your hormone concentration. But then at the end of your cycle, you get a report that actually shows you what your hormone trends were, insights into your baseline, your LH surge, your, whether you ovulated or not. And that report, can, if you're not working with an Uber provider, you can share with your doctor or with anyone else that you'd like to. You can easily email it to them. But if you're working with an Uber provider they actually get your data in real time. So we actually have a HIPAA compliant dashboard that clinicians can log into. And the moment you scan your UVA test at home, you get your results in your app, but your clinician will get your quantitative results directly in their dashboard and all the information they care about. So that's another thing that I realized was when I would go to see my OBGYN, there's so many things I was tracking. I didn't know what was relevant for her. I didn't know what she cared about. So I realized a lot of women experience that too. And then I would find out a month later, like, oh, yeah, I was having stomach issues two months ago. That's probably why I didn't ovulate or what have you. And had she known that, we could have addressed it back then to three months later. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we actually share the relevant information with your doctor so you don't have to worry about it. So that must be something that as when you're onboarding, that gets identified, right? Who's your doctor? Who are you going to yeah. be sharing it with? Permissions, et cetera. Exactly. Exactly. So, so you have full control over that. Yeah, you have full control over it. You opt into sharing with your doctor. If you're working with a doctor, but you don't want to share your daily data, you don't have to. It's, yeah. It's really up to you how you want to handle it. Well, and also if you're supporting like the outliers or people who are like have irregular periods and whatnot, like you're automatically helping the people that are, you know, not within the bell curve, I imagine. And then also... Supporting everybody within the bell curve too. Yeah, so that was my thought too. Everyone, my husband's like, well, why don't you think about all the people like that have regular cycles? I'm like, well, they have so many solutions available. It's yeah. the women that don't. And honestly, if Uva works for them, it'll work for the, the median too. Right. We're not like, and the best thing is like, we don't have any disclaimer on our box. So if you look at like a like any of these like uh, urine-based tests, they all have a disclaimer that says if you have polycystic ovarian syndrome or irregular cycles, our results may not be reliable for you. We don't have that on our box. I didn't know that. Okay. And now does it, so PCOS is the acronym, right? For what you're talking about. What, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because what do people experience who have that syndrome? Sure. So polycystic ovarian syndrome is one of the most commonly misdiagnosed diseases because there's just not a lot of objective ways to measure whether you have this syndrome or not. So right now, the way it's diagnosed is there's basically a slew of symptoms. And if you check off three to five of them, you're diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. So for example, I was misdiagnosed with it multiple times when I was younger because right out of college, I've had, I had irregular cycles, which I've had my whole life. I had gained a little bit of weight because I was pre-med and lived in the library. So I was gaining some weight. I'm Indian, so I had dark facial hair and I had adult acne. So when I go to the doctor, they looked at me and I went there because I wanted to figure out how to regulate my cycle. Um, because like this has been an ongoing issue. There's, there's something wrong or like, what do we do? 
They took one look at me like, you have polycystic ovarian syndrome. They put me on metformin, birth control pills to regulate my cycle. And those two medications had such a horrible impact on me. I became depressed. I was anemic because I was bleeding so much. And for someone like me, who was really happy and upbeat. Not wanting to get out of bed in the, like every day was a huge yeah. red flag for, for me. Like This is not who I am. Yeah. But I did it for three years. And then I went to a new doctor and it turns out that I had lost the weight. I mean, like my acne had cleared up. I was back to myself because like I'm no longer in college. And I wrote, I had PCOS on my intake form. And my doctor was like, why do you think you have PCOS? And I was like, well, I mean, I've been taking these meds and like I was told I did. She's like, you don't have it. My hormones all came back normal. Like everything was fine. So I think polycystic ovarian syndrome is something that is very commonly misdiagnosed. And a lot of the treatment for this can be addressed with lifestyle changes. But when you look at your hormones, and this is what I love about UVA, because it's finally providing an objective measure for polycystic ovarian syndrome. If you have polycystic ovarian syndrome commonly, your luteinizing hormone levels are going to be elevated. So if you look at, if you're using like a typical over-the-counter ovulation test, you may get false positives because your LH levels are just above the threshold that those tests are designed to measure. With UVA, we learn that that's your baseline and then we wait for your LH to defer from that. I love that. Right? I love that concept that it's measuring against yourself, not measuring against mm-hmm. the average. Exactly. That's so smart. All of it is so smart. And that when I think about how empowering this must be for people that like it could save them. Well, and to your point, like it's, there's so much black boxness around women's health that this is like such a, such a smart path forward. So like, what is it that you see for the future? Like if you could, if you could look at a crystal ball five years from now or 10 years from now, like, where do you think this is all going? I mean, I think there's a lot that we can do in the women's health space period. I mean, one of my big passions is I think the word empowerment is used a lot in the industry right now. And so I'm going to use it, but I want to take it one step further. I feel like women's health has just not been given the attention it deserves on an industry side and even on a patient side. Uh Women always prioritize themselves last. If my son has a cough, we're rushing him to the ER. If I have a cough or my back is killing me, I am fighting through it. And I don't go to the doctor until it's like debilitating pain, right? We need to give ourselves that same attention. And I think the reason the women aren't able to do that is because we don't prioritize ourselves and we're just not given the tools to really take control of our health. So with UVA, what my hope is, is that I'm actually giving women the agency to be their own advocate for their health. So now when you go to your doctor with this data, you can actually be like, all right, I hear all these things that you're saying that I should do, but how is that going to relate to my hormone data? Because that's what my hormones are saying. And now you're having a conversation that you're educated and informed about instead of it being one-sided and the doctor just telling you what's going on. So when it comes to women's health, we are starting with fertility. We're planning on expanding into other areas, such as menopause, tracking a pregnancy, postpartum care. Even before you think about trying to get pregnant, there's a lot we can do there. But we're also expanding into other areas, such as men's health, infant health, and chronic disease. Gotcha. The goal is to really change the way that actual testing is done. Well, one thing that's coming up for me, and it's been a conversation that's been in the last, I don't know, few guests that I've been talking with is more just openness about menopause. And it sounds like mm-hmm. hormone levels and being able to track them in this way to be, you know, not only just seen of like when you're, when you're ovulating, but also understanding like what phase you might be in your, you know, perimenopausal or menopausal, like just tracking of that, that could be super 
you know, useful as well. Yeah, I mean, I, there's very few things in the world that you can say affects 100% of the population, right? And <laughs> menopause is one of them. And yet, if you think about what the solutions that exist today, there's no way to objectively figure out what is happening to a woman as she's entering into menopause. It's all symptom-based. And that's, it's like you're putting yourself constantly on that pain scale of zero to 10. But you can't measure everything in women's health on a pain scale. There has to be no. some objectivity to it. And that's what I want to bring to the table. Like, I want to bring something that you cannot argue with. It's a number. It's a value. It's a trend. It's a, it's a chart. Now, how does whatever you're saying relate to what my chart is saying? I love that. I love that it is basically facilitating conversations that are based on evidence that is unique to each person and just just able to be like, okay, this is not based on what I'm telling you, how I feel, or what I'm telling you, what my, like, if I'm talking to my doctor, what my symptoms are, or just like me kind of like, no, you're like, no, here's the hard data. So let's go from there. And I love that about this. This is just like, this is great. This is looking good for the future, Amy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That's what we're going for here. Is it about time? (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's a hundred, like it's, it's well past time. Can you tell me, like, well, what do you think, like, 10-year-old Amy would think about what you're doing right now? Do you think that she had any idea that you would be in this line of business and doing this professionally? No. (laughs) 10-year-old Amy was still doing surgery on her teddy bear, hoping to be a cardiac surgeon. (laughs) And um, it's funny that you asked this question, because honestly, when I was in college, I, with, like, every ounce of, like, I was purposely doing this. I refused to take a business class because I was like, I don't belong in this field. No one should trust me with their money. Like, this is not for me. I am going into medicine. And here we are. And I constantly kick myself for not taking a single like general business class. You know, it's funny. I really, I thought I was going to hate political science. And I saved that one for like my last semester of my undergrad and it ended up being like one of my favorite classes. I think that had I taken it earlier, it probably would have changed my degree entirely. It's funny. Maybe that's what my fear was that if I took a business class, it might've like changed my entire life plan. And I didn't want to do that. (laughs) And here we are. And here we are. Well, okay. So then what advice would you give given where you are now? You know a lot more than you did, I'm sure, when you were just finishing your degree. Like, What advice would you give to either yourself or to somebody else who's just starting their professional journey? Get out of your own way. <laughs> I think that's the biggest thing. So I was really fortunate uh, with my PhD because my two PhD advisors are really entrepreneurial. And I was finishing up my PhD. They were like, all right, Amy, what are we, where are we going? Like, what do you want to do? Let me do the intro. Let's get, figure out where you're going next. And I was like, well, I don't want to go back to pharma. Maybe we do a biotech and we do a startup. And they're like, okay. And so they start like making a list of like companies that they could do intros for. And I was like, but I have this idea. And at that time I was going through my journey of trying to conceive. And I was really frustrated and annoyed and like overwhelmed with the entire process. So I pitched the idea, I I guess I pitched the idea to my advisor and he's like, Amy, that is, you're sitting on something, you need to see that through. And the the fight that I had put up in the room that day, like because of the way that I fought, I was like, oh, maybe I can do this because I was so against me going into business. Like, this isn't for me. You're telling me to make a pitch deck. I don't know what that is. Like, I don't know how to pitch a company. I don't know how to raise money. Like I had every excuse in the book to not do it. And the one reason that I had 
that he actually said to me, he was like, well, what if you can help a couple get pregnant without having to go through IVF or go through this struggle that you're going through? I'm like, oh man, that's worth it. And so I got out of my way and I actually started Googling, what is a pitch deck? What, how do I like meet investors? Like what, how do you do this? And I realized I'm a lot more capable than I was giving myself credit for. So if you're thinking about an idea, go for it, get out of your way, just test it out, talk to people, see if, this was another thing that someone told me early on. They were like, if you have an idea and if you pitch it at a dinner table and everybody laughs, that's an idea worth pursuing. But if everyone's just like, oh, yeah, like that makes sense, blah, 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 then someone's already thought of it. Don't even go down that road. Oh, I like that. So they say, think that it, you're crazy, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. So well, for me, it was like, leave your job, like leave this great PhD, go pursue this thing. Like, really you're trying to grow a family with like one income coming in like really you want to do that but yeah I mean we did it well and it also sounds like it was something that given the evidence it was something that you couldn't not do yeah yeah well okay can I ask you a little bit about what your experience was like pitching and going after you know meeting investors like how how did that process go are you on the other side as like a I don't know like to me, I'm like, I'm, in, I'm still intimidated by that. How did you go? <laughs> it's, um, it is intimidating. And I think it's a very humbling experience. And it's also a way to grow thicker skin. So something about me that I think really started being a lot more applied after Saraduva was I never take criticism to heart. I always take it in a way to grow. And I'm not saying like somebody who doesn't understand your company gives you all this feedback and then you go and you implement all that feedback. Like, No, you should be smart about the feedback that you're actually soaking in. But it's a very humbling experience because what you're basically doing, and especially when you're going for your early round of funding, right, with friends and family, what I felt was I'm basically putting all my cards on the table and I'm like, invest in me and this concept because I have nothing except for an idea and a piece of paper that shows you what this might look like. And it's probably not going to look like that. And what I got overwhelmingly was, Amy, I don't care about the idea. I want to invest in you. If you're going to do this, it's going to be a success. And I was like, oh, shoot. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it was a very humbling experience to do that. But then from there, you need to always give power to the value of networking. Because every single person that has touched Uva has introduced me to so many more individuals that have helped me grow the business to where it is today. So all of the investors that I have today, I, they're not cold. They were all introduced to me by either other advisors, partners, companies, what have you. And it's a very warm environment for the most part. Yeah, it's, I mean, it also, it's humbling to the, in the sense that like, of course, it's hard to take feedback, especially when it's negative. But I think you're hitting on something that it's also hard to take positive feedback when people tell you that they believe in you and that they trust you and that, you know, they know how smart you are and dedicated and you're like, and I'm sure that it feels good, but it's also probably gives you some happy tears too of of like, Oh my gosh, that's a lot of attention that maybe I'm not comfortable with. (laughs) Yeah. It it was, it's um, it's like a double-edged sword, right? Like on one side, it's great. Like, yes, I got money. I have faith that like people have faith in me. This is great. But on the other side, it's a lot of pressure too, right? Because mm-hmm. now you know that you're holding, like when I see my friends at times, I'm like, oh my God, I'm like gambling with her college money right now. I, it's not the case, but that those thoughts do obviously enter. So you have to be really conscious about who you're taking money from. Never takes too good money. There's a lot of it out there. And make sure, and I think this is something that a lot of founders don't allow themselves to do, 
when you're selecting investors to bring on, even if an investor is willing to give you the money, you don't have to say yes. Make sure they're going to add something to your business. You don't need just money. If you need just money, there's a lot of it out there and you don't have to give up so much equity for it. You mm-hmm. can get it in, in cheaper ways. But what you should be looking for is you're giving up equity for not a check, but for assets and value. So how would you define stupid money? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll give you an example. So I was in diligence with a fund and they were, we were basically on the last leg of it. Like we were in the last meeting before the term sheet was supposed to be signed because everything was agreed on. And there was four partners involved in the deal, right? So like I bought, I sold, like I basically won over all four of them. And then we're, I'm like t- opening up the file and so we're going to go through it one more time. And as I'm doing that, one of the partners asked me, like, while you're doing this, I have one quick question for you. How comfortable are women really peeing on a stick? <laughs> and I was like, what? And I thought he was joking initially. And he goes, no, seriously, like, do women really want to pee on a stick every day? And I was like, what's the alternative? He's just like, no, I mean, like, it's just a very messy, he just, he wasn't grasping the concept of what we were doing. And I stopped what I was doing. I was like, I don't think you guys are the right partners for me on this, like on this next leg of the company. Let's just end this conversation here. Really? Right there? Right then and there? Right there. It wasn't worth anyone's time. Because I'm like, you don't understand the product. You've been going over this for months. And now you're asking me if they're comfortable peeing on a stick, which is like the basis of me collecting any sort of information. Yeah. It's not that hard and it doesn't actually have to be that messy. And didn't you say you could also like dip it if you needed to? Yeah. But what are women doing today? Yeah. I'm like, you don't even understand our market in that case. I purposely left it as a urine test so that it would be non-invasive and in a form factor that women are used to using. And you know what other... create a whole new habit. Right. You know what other like women are putting themselves through, like how painful it is to go yeah. through IVF and all the things that they do just to like, for, like, and you're just saying, oh, all you have to do is pee. Like, that's fine. I know. In the grand scheme of things, like, yes, of course. Like if I didn't have to pee on a stick every single day, I wouldn't do it. Of course. If I could get pregnant in my first shot, I would do it. But that's not reality. Mm-mm. Good for you. Good for you for being able to like spot that and also like very quickly make a decision and say, this is, this doesn't feel right and trust yourself to move on. I'm saying this now after being in the, like an entrepreneur for four years, right? Like I wouldn't have gotten that confidence four years ago. Yeah. So I think you just need to continuously trust yourself. And that confidence was built up because every time I trusted my gut, it ended up being right. And I did end up saying no to investors or investors like it fell through or whatever, for whatever reason. And I would afterwards hear about horror stories from other founders with that investor. So like, man, I dodged mm-hmm. that bullet. Well, and so you, know, you just have to keep on doing that. I love that. And I also think that the idea of trusting yourself being so important because especially when it comes to women's health issues, they're like to your point earlier around it being a black box, like this is not an area where we can say just because it's never been done before, we can't do it because that's almost why we need to do it because it's never been done before. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Amy, I am so grateful to know you and know that you're out there making big, audacious changes for women. If people want to find you, follow you, work with you, or use your product, use Uva, where would you direct them? If you're interested in learning more about the product, you can head over to our website, which is at www.ooda.life. L-I-F-E. Uh, we are also on social at Uva Life all, on all platforms. You can feel free to contact us there. Okay. 
I will include all of that information in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle hit like a girl pod. Thanks again. See you soon. This episode is brought to you by Chirpy Bird Inc. CMS's Merit-Based Incentive Payment System, or MIPS, is super complex. And if clinicians ignore the program or perform poorly in it, it can result in a hit to their revenue and reputation. Chirpy Bird is proud to say that more than 95% of its clients are exceptional performers in MIPS, meaning they've maximized the score that directly translates into their Medicare reimbursement rate. Chirpy Bird offers their audit-proof services to practices of all sizes through an affordable monthly subscription that includes unlimited access to a regulatory expert who guides them in knowing what data to track, how to create workflows that make capturing that data easier, and ensures that they submit it all to CMS on time and performing at its best. Contact Chirpy Bird today or learn more at chirpybirdinc.com. That's chirpybirdinc.com.